Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. Please put the seatbelt on. You cannot run away. <laughs> Let me start by reading the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 15. Mark, chapter 1, verse 15. And saying, the appointed period of time is fulfilled, completed, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, have a change of mind, which it choose in regret for past sins, and in change of conduct for the better, and believe, trust in, rely on, and adhere to the good news. Jesus said, in order to enter the kingdom of God, we need to repent, and we need to believe the good news. The word repentance is rarely heard in the church today. I have to tell you right now, I don't have the mindset of trying to please everybody so that the church will grow and have more money in this church. This is a family of God. My mindset is that I want to see God's children strong, prosper, fruitful. Therefore, we cannot compromise the message in the Bible. And I would not change the word for diplomatic reason. For example, changing the word sin to wrongdoing or something, or instead of repent, just say change. We just go with what the word of God say, because we have to stick with the Bible. Amen? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 say, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. When we do wrong, he's long-suffering. He's keep waiting and waiting for us to repent, not willing that any should perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. There are two things we need to choose. One is preaching. And two, the, the other one, the other alternative is repentance. I believe you are smart enough to choose repentance. Not preaching, not destruction. How many people want destruction in your life? Raise your hand up. You're smart enough. You don't raise hand. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. The writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 leads to what happened in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 that we learned from last Sunday about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is a part of repentance. Your heart bothers you. You feel bad inside you when you realize that you are doing something wrong. But what happened before 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans, among non-believers. A man has his father's wife, or in other words, a man committed adultery with his stepmother. 
My question to you is: Can a Christian fall into sin? Can a Christian yield to temptation and get into trouble? Yes. Should Christians repent and turn away from sin? Yes. I myself make mistake. You make mistake. We all have sinned against God. But once we realize that we should not do what we should not have been doing, and we should do what we should have been doing according to the Spirit and the Word of God, we miss it. We make mistake according to the eyes of God. We miss the target. What we should do is to repent. As soon as possible, our heart shall bother us, and if we keep being rebellious and have a stubborn heart, eventually our conscience will be blunt, and we will not care anymore. Then we're gonna go into the road of destruction. May not happen one minute, may not happen in two years, but eventually destruction will come to our life and will go to the third and fourth generations. So we have to take sin seriously, but once we repent and say, "God, I'm sorry, I have a godly sorrow. I don't want to go that direction anymore." After that, God doesn't have to do anything more, because He already sent Jesus to die and pay for our sin. He took our sin upon His body already. It's done deal. After we repent, after we turn around. We don't have to go years after years in condemnation, in guilt, in bad feeling any longer. We should rejoice. We should be happy and make a decision that from now on we're going to live a life that honors God. From now on, we say, "God, I repent," and we should be happy because now we become the righteousness of God again, and our fellowship with God is restored. At that moment, when you pray, God can answer you. There's nothing block your prayer to go to heaven because sin separate you from God. Many of you, when you pray, God doesn't hear you or doesn't answer you because you are living in sin. So that's why I try not to live in sins. And God can hear my prayer for my children, for the church member, for my patient. Anytime I pray, I know God hear me and God can answer me because I have the good fellowship with God. In this situation, a man committed adultery. The church at Corinth is a real church in history. This is not a fairy tale. Christians in Corinth lived two thousand years ago. This is a real story in the Bible. They existed in the history. It's not a fairy tale. The people lived there, and then God wrote a letter to correct this church. Hey, your guy, I heard that one of your members, a man, really committed adultery with his stepmother. You need to deal with it as soon as possible. Don't let it go too long. We're gonna learn from the scripture how we're gonna deal with sin in the church. We're going to learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 today. I learned one thing as being a pastor. I learned. Let me share with you quickly from my observation and experiences. It's one thing to evangelize and get people saved. You go on the street, you evangelize, get people saved. You share the gospel with your relative, your friend. But it's another thing about church life. 
Not everybody who gets saved come to our church, and not everyone can fit with this church, and not everybody come to church and going to be the blessing to the church. Some of them may come and cause problem in the church, so they should go to another church because they come and cause division and heartache to the church if they don't repent. So I learned that church life is different from evangelism. Church life is the family. Protection, spiritual growth, security, and blessing in the church. We need to protect the church so that our kids that are growing up in this church will not be contaminated by bad people or people who come in and call themselves Christians but doing bad things in this church. I remember many years ago, a man walked into this church, and this man will never greet any other men, but he go around to hug young women in the church. Many of you may not know him because you, are, you come later on. He came and just hugged my daughter, hugged all the young women. Eventually, I and Pastor Da go to him and say, Brother, you call yourself Christian. If you don't stop doing this, we're going to have to talk. Because it sounds like your action is going after young women. He left the church. I'm so relieved that he left. Because I need to protect young women in this church. Amen. I may not be as big as Pastor Caesar, but I have third degree black belt. <laughs> I can confront people who come in to do some bad things in this house. Amen. So Paul wrote the letter to help that church not to get into trouble, and I believe that you may respond to that letter and talk to the man. Hey, brother, I think you are doing something wrong. And our apostle, our spiritual father, wrote to us that. You should not do this. The man may answer, "Oh, really? You know, I love Jesus, but I cannot help myself. I fall in love. And by the way, my dad did not treat her very well, so I took over. So he gave excuses and did not want to repent. That's what happened. And read verse two, First Corinthians five two, and you are puffed up." And have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Paul said to the elders and the members in the church of Corinth, "You did not have godly sorrow, but you even go opposite way. You puff up. You are puff up. You are prideful. Why did Paul say that? Let me read Jude chapter one verse four. Jude one four. This kind of doctrine has been there from two thousand years ago, and is still in the church today, everywhere in the world. This kind of doctrine. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago they're gonna creep creep into this church. They're gonna face pass aloud. Who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness or sexual immorality or dirty. And deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Some men in the New Testament at that generation came in and produced their own doctrine. They say that because of the grace of God, we can live a sinful lifestyle. The more we sin, the more grace we can see and experience. Because the grace of God covers us. We don't need to repent anymore. We don't need to worry about living a holy life. 
We can do whatever we want. We can shoot people and kill people. We can commit adultery. Not big deal because the grace of God cover us, and this kind of doctrine is still in the world even today. We don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to have godly sorrow. We just go on. I read a book that very popular in in the world. That book, the writer say that. You repent one time in your life, and you don't have to ask for forgiveness anymore because the blood of Jesus covered your sin from the beginning to the end, and He knows your sin from even before the creation of the world. You don't need to repent anymore. One time, no more repentance. And when I read the book, I want to burn it because it's a bad book, teaching people to live a sinful lifestyle. The Christians in Corinth, at the, at Corinth, have this doctrine in their mind. They say it's so k e l a that I sin because of the grace of God. We don't need to worry about it. We can sin against God. They feel that they receive such a great revelation from heaven. Their doctrine is bigger and better than of Paul. But actually, they did not receive the revelation from heaven. They received revelation from demons, and they were deceived badly. So Paul said, "You are puffed up. You are so prideful of your wrong doctrine. Repent as soon as possible." Some people say Jesus preached only love and tolerance, so we should tolerate one another. You can tolerate your kids committing sin. That's okay because we love them. They don't understand. Jesus teach. Mark chapter one fifteen is the word from the mouth of Jesus Christ. He say, "Repent and believe in the good news." He never say, "Love and tolerate sin in the church." He say, "Repent as soon as possible." I want to tell you right now why God say repent because sin is bad. Sin matters. Sin will make a Big difference in your life. If you continue to sin, you're gonna pay the price later on. In that generation, they called the sin yeast. We're gonna read the scripture in a while. Called yeast. But if I write the Bible, if I'm Paul, I may write sin is a cancer. Why women have to do mammogram every year? Because if you detect little cell in the duct in the breast, you have to get rid of it. ASAP, because if you don't get of that intraductal carcinoma, carcinoma means cancer in your breast. It will spread all over your breast one day, and it will go to your brain, go to your bone, and it will kill you. It's a big deal. Why men and women at 60 years old have to do colonoscopy every year? Oh no, I'm sorry. If it's negative, you do every 10 years. Why do you have to do colonoscopy? I got two time already. Because I'm 60 now. No, not not 60. 50 years old. You need to start to do colonoscopy, because if you detect a little cancer in your colon, colon cancer is a common cancer in America. If you detect it, you get rid of it fast. You are free and you will live a long life. But if you let it spread, you will die. So sin is like that. Little sin can cause. Big problem in your life and your own family. So, as Christian, we need to consider sin bad, bad like a cancer. Don't play with it. Amen. This man was in the church with the stepmother. I imagine maybe he and his stepmother were in the choir singing every Sunday. 
Maybe the stepmother and he sit on that corner of the church, and his father sit on that corner of the church. They did not talk to each other. Or maybe the man and the stepmother came in the morning service, and the father came in the afternoon service. They avoided one another. And they just keep on doing that in the church. And the members and the elders at Corinth just ignore it. Just, what a big deal. We are under grace now. They can commit adultery in this house. My dear brother, sister, are we going to follow the court of magazine or the world's will? Or are we going to follow the Bible? I don't know about you. This is my standard. As long as I'm the pastor of this church, you're going to be confronting with the Bible. And I will use the scripture to tell you what to do. I'm not going to compromise this scripture. This is our standard. So for me, the quote from Magazine is not as big as this Bible. The Bible is the word of God. Amen? You need to obey God. You need to really live a holy life and don't be carnal. People who live in a carnal life, who live in sin, they will not have victory. They will have a lot of problems in their life. The problem will never go away, and they keep going and going. The problem pop up, defeat pop up, sickness pop up, lots of problem. And then what happened? They blame other people. They blame God. They blame the government. They blame the pastor. They blame their wife. They blame their husband. But the problem is that they need to repent. They need to turn around and say, "Don't blame other people anymore. I need to change." I need to stop being rebellious. Sometimes sin come from ignorance, and sometimes sin come from hardened heart or heart hated or rebellious. You know what is good to do? Wow, the seat belt seem to be breaking out soon now. <laughs> this is strong message. Do you know what is good to do? You know, for example, let me ask you this question: How many people work as an employee? When your boss tells you to do something and you don't do it for a while, what's going to happen to you? You get fired. Is that rebellious? The same thing. Why we so obey the boss at work? Because we get salary, we get paycheck. But when we come to church life, we just do whatever we want. We don't care what the pastors say. We don't care what God say because we know they cannot cut the paycheck from us. We need to practice the same thing in the church. We need to. Be obedient to God. We need to be humble. Don't be rebellious and argue and use all kind of logics to fight with the Word of God and with what the pastor wants to do in the church. We need to be humble and obedient people. Rebellion is not good. Amen. Submission is good. Wow. A lot of people feel heat on their seat right now. First Corinthians chapter five, verses three to five. Do you love me still? I hope you still love me, Amen. <laughs> Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit, and as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is a request from Paul. You must call a meeting of the church, and I will be present with you in spirit. And so will the power of our Lord Jesus. You remember the Bible says, "When two or three gather together, He will be in the midst of them." This is the context of the local church. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan, 
so that his sinful nature will be destroyed. When he got out of the church, he's going to face trouble because there is no spiritual protection anymore. Hopefully, he will repent. And he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord's return. So this man, if keep going like this, he will be destroyed eventually. He may even lose his salvation. When I come to this point, some of you argue with me. But pastor, I heard from another preacher that we will never lose our salvation. Eternal security. My dear brother and sister, you will never lose your salvation as long as you still repent and believe in the good news. You will not. But the problem is, after we get saved, God doesn't take away our free will. One day after being a Christian for five years, you may be, start to be stubborn and rebellious and you want to sin and keep going and going and eventually you deny Jesus of lordship and authority. And I may not see you in heaven. You say, where is in the Bible? Oh, it's in the Bible. You know that the Old Testament story is the type and shadow of what happened today. If you read the book of Jude, the whole book talking about a group of God's people were saved. And later on, because of their complaint and rebellion, they were destroyed. The doctrine of eternal security is wrong. We can lose our salvation if we begin to rebel and reject the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's why Paul says, send this man out so that he will be spanked. He will face hardships, a big wake-up call. I warned him, but he didn't listen. He was so rebellious. He was so stubborn. So let a big wake-up call come. Send him out of the church. No more protection. And he's going to get into trouble. Amen? The Bible talks about sin leading unto death. What is that death? Spiritual death. 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. If anyone... Well, this is a very popular subject. Talk about sin and death and all this. Okay, if anyone see his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will pray. In other words, he will pray and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. When you see brother and sister sin that will not lead to spiritual death or losing salvation, you can pray for them and God may grant them repentance, open their eyes, help them to come to their senses so that they will come out from being perished or destroyed. There is sin leading to death. What death? Spiritual death. Not going to heaven anymore. Going to hell. I do not say that he should pray about that. Some people who come to know Jesus, come to church long enough, know the Bible, know the scripture, but so stubborn and wanted to commit sin no matter what. Eventually, your prayer is useless. They will not repent. They get into trouble. They despise the blood of Jesus Christ and they get into trouble. They will lose their salvation. Let's continue to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 7. You're boasting. Boasting about what? My doctrine. Because of grace, we can live a sinful lifestyle. It's not good. Don't you know that a little yeast... If my version I would say, this little cell of cancer works through the whole batch of dough or bread. Get rid of the old yeast 
Yeast means sin. That you may be a new batch without yeast. The church is like a batch. And the yeast, the little sin in the church, can spread throughout the church. As you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. They are proud of that doctrine, false doctrine. Paul say, out of love, sin is a yeast. Sin is a cancer. And you will let it stay in your body. You know, brother and sister, thank God for healing. Thank God for healing. And God can heal cancer. But I still believe that God still use doctor. Don't be stubborn and say, I'm going to just stay in faith until the cancer disappear. Whatever the doctor recommends, follow his instruction. I know one lady in Japan, a pastor wife, who has a breast cancer at the early stage. This is a true story. And they asked me a question. They said, should I go to see a doctor? I said, yes, you should. But should we pray for healing? Yes, we should. We should pray to God first for healing. But you should see doctor at the same time. And that lady and her husband were stubborn. Did not go to see doctor. The cancer keeps spreading and she died. So you see, we need to fight in every way. Don't take me wrong. I believe in miracle. I believe in healing. But you need to do your part too. Amen? Cannot just let that cancer grow in your body. You need to get rid of it. ASAP. God used doctor too. Amen? Now, why Paul said this is serious? Jesus can spread to the whole loaf of bread. When I moved to America, I don't know I tell you this story yet. I moved to America in 1985. I was a new Christian. I did not start a church yet. I heard the story of a church in down south of Seattle that the pastor decided to commit adultery and say that I'm going to get rid of my wife and date another young girl in the church. And this happened in the church, obviously and openly. You know what happened many years later? 50% of the church members committed adultery. And they even have a, we call, holy dance. So when they do the holy dance in the church, the husband will not dance with the wife, will switch the husband and wife to dance with one another and then go sleep with one another. The sin of that pastor spread throughout the whole church. The hurt, the church totally collapsed at the end. This is serious. Sin is serious. If we don't stop sin of adultery, of sexual immorality in the church, your 13 years old son going to commit adultery and sexual immorality. Eventually, death will spread throughout the whole church because it's like a yeast. It will impact everybody in the church. That's why as long as you stay in this house, I tell you right now, Pastor Lau and Pastor Da are serious and we will never, never compromise. I'd rather you lose one member, even they give this church $1 million a year, I'd rather lose them because they get mad at me that I correct them than to let my kids, your kids, and everyone in this church get into trouble. I don't care about money. I care about your future and your children's future. I don't want the G's to come in. 
Amen. Money cannot buy me. We need to be clear that if, as long as you are in this church, we're going to be serious about not allowing any type of sin spread. You still love me? Okay. <laughs> this is one of the strongest messages. I haven't preached for 10 years. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 to 13. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the OGs, not the Gs of sin. The Gs of malice, wickedness, but with bread without Gs, the bread of sincerity and truth. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers and idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or a Christian, but is sexually immoral or greedy or idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? We don't have the right to judge sinners. God will judge sinners. And if you don't want to associate with sinners anymore, your business is going to be dried up because you need to relate to sinners out there. But this scripture talks about dealing with believers who are the members of the church. And I tell you right now, I never judge people outside the church. They are sinners. They, the only know, thing they know to do is to sin. Why judge them? I don't judge them. But people who know God, who know the gospel about repentance and holiness, we need to deal with if they don't want to repent. Are you not to judge those inside? God would judge those outside. God would judge sinners outside. We need to judge people inside. Expel this wicked man from among you. Okay, let me explain the word judge here. You heard the word, don't judge, you shall be judged. This scripture doesn't talk about that unholy judgment. Unholy judgment or sinful judgment is this. I come to you and say, you know, man, you're pretty bad. I'm better than you. I will never do what you do. You're bad, 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 bad. I point finger to you. I condemn you. I criticize you that you're bad, I'm better. That is judging. But Paul, as a leader in the church, he has the right to discern and judge the action that is wrong in the church. We don't judge man. We judge the action. It's different. We don't come with a prideful attitude and say, I'm better than you. Because I make mistakes too. You make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But if it's wrong, we need to confront. We need to deal with it as soon as possible. Because sin is a serious business. This man may give all kinds of excuses, but still need to be dealt with as soon as possible. Amen? Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, does God want us to live a clean lifestyle? Does God call us to be holy? He said, be holy, I am holy. Does God want us to repent as soon as possible? Do you know why? Because God loves us. He knows that if we continue in sin, we're going to face destruction, curses, bondage. Sickness, failure, 
poverty and the curses will go to the third and fourth generation. It's a serious business. Amen. Now, Paul say, "Kick this man out and the stepmother too. Get out of this church." I have to do that a couple times in this house. Many years ago, when I started the church many years ago, one man abused his wife and do a lot of bad things to his wife. So I call him in and I say, "You have to leave the church." And later on, he repented. After he left the church, he got into car accident. He got sick. All the protection was gone. A few years ago, we have Paul Prophet in the house here, come in and say Jesus gonna come back in 19 something, and then start to spread all kind of weird stuff in the church. I have to call that people in a group of people, do a lot of bad stuff in the church, not biblical. At that time, I even had to call the pastor of Overlake, the pastor of City Church, and I tried to find out whether I'm wrong or not to confront with this issue. They all say you are right; it's biblical what you believe, and I have to confront them and beg them to leave the church, because if I leave that Jesus in the house, this house is going to be destroyed. So I'm serious. When I see something wrong in this church, I have to confront ASAP. Amen. I may give some grace for a few months. Maybe talk personally first, but after a while, if they don't repent, we have to deal with it as soon as possible. In this situation, because of God's love, because of God's mercy, through Paul, he wrote the letter to warn the church, elders of that church, deal with this couple ASAP. Otherwise, the G's gonna come and spread all over the house of God. When you heard this message, oh, let me ask you: Is First Corinthians chapter five the Bible? Yes, yes. Is it inspired by God? Yes. With today humanistic idea in the church, say, "Oh, this is so mean! You don't have love. You don't walk in love. You kick this couple out. They sing in the choir. They are contributing. They even give tithe. A lot of money." Many ten thousand a year. I, you, you so mean. I'm going to leave this church. I'm going to go to another church that's full of yeast. I don't want this church because they don't like yeast. I like yeast. So they go to another church full of yeast, and what happened? The yeast spread to them. Their kids get into pornography, get into drugs. They themselves divorce. Problem happened because the yeast spread to them too. Which church you want to choose? The pastor deal with the yeast or the church that let the yeast go on? Which church? I don't see any any answer from people. Do you want yeast full church or no yeast in the church? Okay, I want to hear. Okay, <laughs> I want to tell you if I call you in to correct you, don't let your flesh rise up and leave the church. I want to. Give the title of this sermon: Receive God's correction. God corrected this man and stepmother, but they did not repent at the beginning. Amen. The Bible says, "If you judge yourself, you will not be judged." First Corinthians chapter five, verses twelve to thirteen. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? 
God will judge those outside, expel the wicked man from among you. So, God say, if people don't repent and commit certain bad sin in a church that affect everybody, we need to ask that person to leave the church and no more association. Not even eat with that person. God tell us to discipline, to correct those. Who sin against God in the house of God? We are again. I'm not dealing with other churches. We are. Not, I have no right to correct members of another church. But as long as you member in this church, I have the right to correct you and discipline you, so that you will not get lost in the last day and go to hell. You will be restored at the end. What is the purpose of discipline? What is the purpose of correction? Why does God correct? His people. Why? Second Corinthians chapter two, verses four, five, and six. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, that not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love. Everyone say love, which I have so abundantly for you. Verse five. If anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me. But all of you, to some extent, not to be so severe. This punishment to kick this couple out of the church, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man. Paul wrote the letter of correction and discipline to the elders of the church at Corinth because of love. I tell you, correction is not fun. It's painful. It causes grief. Any time, Pastor Dan and I have to call somebody in to correct. We know that two things are going to happen. Number one, either that person repent and save their life, or two, they will hold grudges against us and they start to gossip about us and spread the bad news about us and cause a lot of people to start to feel negative about the pastor and eventually left. They want to drop a bomb before they leave to make a lot of people upset with the pastor. I know it's painful, and I have to pay the consequences of correction, but I have to do it. And I trust God that God will build His church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. It doesn't matter how many family leave the church; this church will go on. But I will not compromise to let any false doctrine to come in, wrong teaching, wrong practice, or any kind of sin that will destroy the whole batch. Of love here to stay in this church. Why God has to expel them out? Why God say kick them out? Because God already correct them one time, two times. They did not repent. Eventually, it has to be a wake up call, big spank, boom, so that that person will wake up. I hope that all of you will have a really gentle heart when God correct you. You. Say yes, Lord. I repent as soon as possible. Don't wait until God has to spank you with a big spank, correction, big discipline. Verse seven, Second Corinthians chapter two, verse seven. So that, on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, and perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Verses eight and to eleven. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. 
In fact, the whole story is that the man and the stepmother were kicked out from the church. After a while, they repented and they came back to the church at Corinth. Now Paul wrote, "The purpose of correction and discipline is not to destroy anybody. The purpose is to restore, is to save, is to help people to come out from the road of destruction. And when that person re- repent, receive him back, and don't hold grudges, don't be mad at that person anymore. Let them come in and serve the Lord again." So we need to have that attitude. Discipline is not to get rid of people, but is to restore people. Everyone say restore. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Paul encourages the brother and sister in Corinth to forgive that couple, and because they repent, they separate, they stop sinning. Let me finish this sermon by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 32. For I received from the Lord that I which also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take it this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do so often as you drink it in remembrance of me in remembrance of his death, his resurrection, his sacrifice, his body, got torture on the cross and at the whipping post. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, everyone say, let a man examine himself. You need to put your life in front of the spiritual mirror, the Bible, on a regular basis. Examine yourself. How many people before you leave the house this morning, you look at the mirror? How many people wash your teeth? If you don't, I will stay away from you. How many people comb your hair? How many women put some makeup on? Praise God. I like that. Okay. You look at the mirror. You examine himself. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, mean not repenting. You despise the blood of Jesus. You despise the body of Jesus that was broken on the cross. Eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, okay, now you can see, when you don't examine yourself, when God confronts you with correction, when God says, it's wrong, stop, and you say, I don't care, I don't need to repent, 
I'm stubborn. I'm rebellious. I don't care. I don't think God care either because the grace of God cover me. If you do that, for this reason, many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep, mean died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If you examine yourself every day, And you say to yourself, "Oh, this is wrong. I want to repent right now." You shall live a long life. You shall not be sick easily. You judge yourself. If God corrects you, if the pastor corrects you, or even your wife corrects you, your husband corrects you, I get correction at house sometimes from my daughter. Tanida corrects me. I even have to listen to her. My daughter is an adult now, so if she said that, I think you do wrong. I have to repent right away because I don't see myself. I need to have a mirror to see myself, and if I don't repent, I'm seeking problem, judgment. Judge yourself, examine yourself, so that you will not die sooner. You will not get sick. You will not get weak spiritually, mentally, or weak financially. You will be strong. Verse 32 say, "But when we are judged, so if we don't judge ourselves, we don't listen to God's correction. What happened? We are chastened or disciplined by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world." Is that what happened to that couple? Because God judged them, kicked them out of the church. They get a wake-up call, they turn around, repent, and they would they will not lose their salvation. And they come back to the house, serve God again, get rewards in heaven. God bless them again. So, come to this point. I want to con- make a conclusion. Number one, Christian can sin. Number two, we need to examine ourselves every day. We need to judge ourselves. If somebody correct us, God send somebody to correct us, or correct us through the Word or by the Spirit. Repent as soon as possible, because if we keep being stubborn, being rebellious, and you don't care about what God say, eventually a big spank gonna come, the judgment of God gonna come, and we may be condemned with the world if we don't repent. Repent as soon as possible. Everyone say sin is bad. For me, I choose. Life, I choose blessing, I choose victory, prosperity, divine health, provision, protection, the grace and the favor of God. I want the blessing to pass from me to Tanida, Joy, Paul, and to the thousand generations. I make a determination. This man named Varun Lahaprasit. Gonna set a new standard of the Lauha Prasit family. I'm gonna set a new level of blessing, destiny, and future for myself, my wife, my kids, and for the members of this church. I'm not gonna play game with sin. I'm gonna take serious about repentance, and I want to follow the way of God. I want to honor God and do the right thing. I will not keep bad attitude in my heart. I will not entertain any negative 
I will not listen to any gossiping, any wrong things. I will not entertain and welcome anything that make me hate God, rebel against God, and make me not love brother and sister and walk away from the church. I'm going to keep my heart right. I'm going to repent as soon as possible. I don't know about you, but I believe that you receive this message. And I believe that if you practice what I teach today, you shall have victory everywhere you go. You will rise up to the next level. You shall overcome any obstacle. You shall live a victorious life. The favor of the Lord will come upon you. You shall see divine healing, divine help, and His promotion, and you will get to your destiny. And your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren shall have the blessing of Abraham. Are you excited about that? How many people received this message? How many people thank God for this strong message? Sometimes we need to hear this off and on to warn us, to, to help us to get to the right cross. Amen? Amen? If some of you here say that, God, I have been rebellious about some issue in my life. I don't need to hear from you. You just tell God yourself, repent of your sin, confess of your sin. Maybe unforgiveness. Maybe the sour attitude toward somebody, toward your husband, toward your wife, toward the church, judgmental attitude. Or maybe you have some kind of issue in your life that secret, no one knows. I want to ask you to repent right now and ask God for forgiveness. If you're not a believer, I want to ask you to come to Jesus Christ today. Confess with your mouth that God is your creator and he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sin. If you want to do that, I want to lead you to pray for the people who don't know Jesus Christ. But for believers, we will confess together and ask God to forgive us. Amen? Examine ourselves. Why don't you examine yourself right now? Close your eyes. Maybe some of you have the problem with loving money. You don't want to tithe. You love money more than God. Some of you may be bitter against somebody right now. Some of you blame other people. You keep blaming people instead of you yourself Seek the way of God and repent. Examine yourself. Maybe you borrow money and you don't return. Maybe you gossip, slander, or reading wrong books, watching pornography. Examine yourself and judge yourself right now. Honor the body of Christ. The body of Christ includes his physical body, his body that 
died on the cross. His physical body, and also the church. Why don't you confess your sin? Ask God for forgiveness. Father, forgive this church. Forgive our sin. We ask you for restoration, for help. We are sorry, Lord. We have godly sorrow in our heart. We ask you, Lord, to help us, to reveal to us what is not pleasing to you. We confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Lord, change our attitude. Change our action. May the fire of God burn the wrong things in our life. Wrong attitudes, wrong behavior, lifestyle, and habits. Cleanse our heart, Lord, that we will have a clean hand, a pure heart. We can stand in the mountain of God, in the presence of God. Our fellowship with you will be restored, Lord. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. I'm so thirsty. Friends.
Oh